0: Okay. Hey, thanks everybody for being here um, for the rookie. Uh, I go easy on me and take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm in seminary, but I haven't passed. So, uh, yeah. You know. I'm sure Mark can correct whatever wrong things I say next week. Um, so, okay, here's the plan for today. We have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we're gonna do a Brief overview, introduction to the Psalms, um, and we're just really going to scratch the surface. Uh, y'all need a sheet? No. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's so, so. Should be three sheets. Um, so we'll just scratch the surface. We're going to move quickly, and uh, my goal is just to wet your appetite. Um, and I'll I'll give you some recommendations about uh, other reading you can do. Um, for your own study, if if you are interested, um, so the plan is we 've got about thirty minutes so i 'm going to spend roughly the first half talking um, theologically about how we can sing the psalms, how to sing the psalms in christ because I think this is really the key for us to uh, interpret the psalms and, and approach the psalms as Christians um, is to sing them in christ so we 'll spend the first half talking about. That theological foundation, and then we'll spend the second half talking about how to sing the psalms practically, uh, musically, how the church has – different ways that the church has sung the psalms throughout the years. And uh, if we have time, we'll spend about five minutes at the end uh, doing some singing. So surprise. Uh, it's too late to get up and leave now. You already sat down. but. Uh Uh, I promise it'll be easy and, and nothing, I won't ask anything too terribly hard of you. Um, so let's, uh, let's begin. Um, here is my, here's my premise for my my impression of how, uh, I think we as contemporary evangelicals think about the Psalms. This is, um, this is kind of where I was at for a number of years and it's, it's my sense that a lot of other people tend to think of the Psalms this way, um. The Psalms are a randomly assorted collection of Hebrew prayers that, except for a few, um, are mostly irrelevant to me. And so, right, we we all have uh, Psalms that we know and like, Um, Psalm 1, right, the blessed man who uh, is like a tree by streams of water, Psalm 8, when I consider the stars, what is man that you are mindful of him, of course, Psalm 23, Psalm 46, be still my soul and know that I am God, Um, or be still and know that I am God. Um, Psalm 91, Psalm 100, Psalm 103, 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come from? Psalm 139, um, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We, we have this handful of songs that we, uh, we know well, we know snippets of, and we like, they're, they're general enough that we can uh, sort of apply them to our lives or, or think about how they might connect to us, uh, but... You know, that's, that's what, like 10 psalms, and I think the other 140, we, we really don't know what to do with. Um, a lot of them have to do with King David and sort of political intrigue and the, the battles that he's facing um, as king. And it's just not at all clear how, how to apply some of these psalms to our own life. Um, you know, I, I think of, I think it's Psalm 3, uh, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many are rising up against me? you know that how does that connect to me like uh i don't have foes i don't have enemies i'm not facing armies i'm not a uh in any kind of political authority and it's hard to see um you know am i supposed to think of like joe at work who's kind of a jerk to me like is he my enemy you know and i'm supposed to pray this about him or whatever like we we do all these kind of gymnastics to to try and understand how to pray these particular psalms but um it really just doesn't doesn't make sense kind of um in the end doesn't make sense. So uh, I, I've added a, a little parenthesis here, um, you know, because I, I don't think most of us would come out and say the Psalms are irrelevant. Um, we're good reformed people, and, and I think we probably know what Jesus says on the road to Emmaus um, after he's been raised from the dead, right? He's talking to these two unnamed disciples uh, in the Gospel of Luke on the road to Emmaus, and he tells them that all of the Old Testament points to him, and he walks them through Uh, the law the prophets and the and the psalms and shows them how it all points to him and so i think you know we we probably know this and we'd say yes like in theory um we could study the psalms at arm's length and see how they point to jesus and that could be edifying and and blah 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 Uh, but but i think we still we kind of hold them at a distance and view them as um, belonging (laughs) primarily to god's old covenant people israel and not not actually belonging to us as the church. We, we can study them and, and see how they point to Jesus, and that's nice, and there are a handful that are, again, general or vague enough that we see, it's easy to see how they could apply to us, but um, the rest of them we just don't know what to do with. So in this model that I'm describing, sort of the, the default evangelical model, um, we're, what we're trying to do is to draw a direct line from the Psalms to me as an individual. And that's the path that we take. We start with the Psalms and we say, how does this apply to me as an individual believer? And what I want to suggest, moving on to this thesis section here on your notes, how I want to push back, what I want to argue for this morning uh, is that we we shouldn't be drawing the line from the Psalms directly to me. Uh, We actually kind of need to take a circuitous route and we need to go from the Psalms in their original context as they apply to King David and then we need to go through Jesus and see how the Psalms um, can, can only truly be sung by Jesus. And then we can get to us as we are members of Christ, as we are members of his body. We are united to him in his death and his resurrection. We're members of his body, which is indwelt by his spirit. And that is the sense in which we can sing the Psalms a, as a community, as his church, as his body. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a longer route. It's not about... Um, here are the psalms. Here's me as an individual. It's the psalms of David, Christ singing the psalms, and then us as members of Christ's body, how we are able to sing the psalms. So my, my argument, uh, what I'm trying to convince you of, is that the psalms are actually meant to be sung by the church as a principal part of her worship. All 150 psalms, not just snippets of the ones we like. Um, they're not only the Old Covenant Songbook of Israel for us to merely study uh, they are, in fact, the new covenant songbook of the church for us to for us to sing, right? Not not hold out here and study at a distance, but to, to come out of us in, in our prayers and in our songs. Um, they belong to us as a Christian, as one who is united with Christ, as a member of the church, the body of Christ. We can sing the psalms in Christ. Um, and this is the way to make sense of some of the difficulties that we encounter when we wrestle with the song, because they, they're not easy. Uh, and if you've ever tried to open the book of psalms to a random psalm it's not easy there's there's weird stuff in there there's imprecatory psalms where uh david calls upon god to judge the wicked um there's psalms that are just very focused on the history of israel and it's just a poetic recounting of the exodus or something like that um so there are there are all these difficulties and and sort of strangeness um and the only way to really make sense of them is that we think of singing the psalms in christ jesus um, continuing here, Jesus is the only one who can truly sing the psalms he is it is his voice that we hear when we read the psalms psalms so uh, we 're going to get into that a little bit more here um, down the page, but before we do, let me just give you kind of logistical details about the psalms. so there are one hundred and fifty of them, um, but they are actually subdivided into books so there 's five books um, mirroring the the Pentateuch um, and uh, each book has sort of its own feel and own theme and I would suggest that the book of Psalms as a whole has something like a storyline again so to push back on this idea that uh, they're just like a randomly assorted collection which uh, I would have said for years and years. um, A a really good book on this in particular is is called The Flow of Psalms uh, by a guy named O. Palmer Robertson. He's a I don't know if he's Dutch Reformed or Presbyterian or which, or but uh, this is a wonderful book, and he goes into a lot of detail about uh, how intentionally arranged the psalms are. It's it's really fascinating and um, almost unbelievable how many little connections there are between the different psalms. Um, and so this this would be a really good book. And these um, these titles that I've given the books come from him. These are the the descriptions that he gives to each book of the psalm. So. Book one, he, he labels confrontation. Um, this is about David's rise to the kingship. Book two, he labels communication. This is about uh, King David and the nation of Israel uh, interacting with the other nations. Um, it ends with Psalm 72, which is this uh, grand vision of—it's it's attributed to Solomon, actually. It's this grand vision of the king of Israel uh, uh, ruling the nations, right? All the nations coming to him um psalm 73 then uh picks up book three which o palmer Robertson has called devastation so this is sort of the low point of the book right we've uh if we think about the the plot line right um king david's going along he's facing challenges and then he is enthroned as king right solomon is is this majestic king and then it immediately drops off into exile um so Book three deals a lot with uh, exile and with uh, it kind of wrestles with this idea of, okay, God has made this promise to David. He's made this covenant that one of his descendants would reign on the throne forever. And here we are exiled in Babylon. Right. The kingdom has been um, 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 exiled. So how will God be faithful to his promise? Um, How will he fulfill his covenant? Um, That's what Psalm 89 deals with quite a bit and then book four psalms 90 through 106 it opens psalm 90 is uh, attributed to moses and it's almost as if uh, the authors are trying to say okay we're dealing with this devastation the kingdom's been taken away from us we don't understand how god's going to fulfill his promise let's take it back to moses um, and let's remember that uh, god has been faithful um, for generations and so it takes it back to an earlier earlier covenant and earlier time um as a way of reminding ourselves that god will be faithful Uh, he has been faithful um so book four ends with uh psalm 106 and then psalm uh psalm 107 picks up book five and from from here on out it's it's pretty uphill there's a lot of um hallelujah psalms psalms of praise of of joyful triumph um so that's that's sort of the flow is is the first half of the book focuses on King David ascending the kingship, and then we hit this uh, bottom of exile, and then we we go back and we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, and of his and we remind ourselves that He will be faithful to His promise. Um, so that's sort of the flow um, of the Psalms overall. Uh, let's see here. Nine, yep. Uh, so. The Psalms are actually the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament, and the New Testament authors clearly see the Psalms as being fulfilled in Christ, and they sometimes quote the Psalms in ways that seem strange to us. Um, they'll quote some random verse and, and, and say that it's fulfilled in Christ, and um, there are some really interesting uh, things that we can learn there um, as you have time to dig. Uh, so let's move on to praying the Psalms in Christ here. I will fly through this. Um, just a couple, mainly, this is mainly just quotes, uh, some quotes that I pulled from uh, Calvin um, Christopher Ash is a contemporary Anglican theologian uh, I highly recommend his, his works, he's got um, three books on the Psalms right now this is a two volume set called Teaching Psalms, uh, so the first volume he kind of sets out his, his framework, which I'm pulling from substantially, and then book two he, he walks through all 150 Psalms and gives like a One or two page summary of how we can pray this psalm in Christ and how how this psalm is fulfilled in Christ. Um, If that is a little more comprehensive than you want, he's also got this shorter book called Psalms for You, where he does that same thing just on a smaller scale. I think he picks about 20 psalms and pairs them together and and, uh, analyzes them, how we can pray them in Christ. So these are wonderful books. I'm pulling a lot from him. uh, in this next section, um, let me read to you two verses from the New Testament that uh, encourage us to sing the psalms as the church. Uh, Ephesians five eighteen through 19 says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Um, those are actually not three separate categories. Um, Ash writes about this. They're actually just, they're different words, but they all refer to, the psalms um psalms hymns and spiritual songs are all actually referring to the book of psalms um and then colossians 3:16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing praise uh excuse me singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god um, so two two admonitions there from the Apostle Paul to the churches uh, to sing the Psalms to each other to to use these in your worship um, to encourage each other and uh, yeah to let the to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly um, so Ash writes uh, about these two verses he says it is clear from these verses that. While we cannot conclude that the early church used only Old Testament psalms, these formed a significant and perhaps the main part of their spirit-inspired singing. Um, Continuing on to the next page here, I I say that part of learning to sing the psalms is learning to see a stronger continuity between Old and New Testament. We don't have really time to go into that. Um, That will just have to be an aside for now. Um, So continuing, we... I write, we need to be taught to, to pray. Um, and then we have this quote from Gary Miller, who wrote a, a book all about prayer in the Bible. And he says, the Psalter as a whole provides us with the most detailed and sustained treatment of how God's people can, should, and must call on him. Um, and then continuing with Athanasius, uh, I, I like what he says. The Psalms have a unique place in the Bible because most of the scripture speaks to us while the psalms speak for us Uh, right continuing there what gary miller says um, this is the psalms are the model that god has given us for how we ought to approach him how we should pray to him how we should talk to him Um, it gives us permission to cry out to him and lament and frustration Um, right we find all kinds of uh emotions in the psalm Um, calvin Here's a Calvin, John Calvin quote in 1537. He's writing about uh, how people should run their church services. Um, and he says, It is a thing most expedient, sort of old-fashioned language here, it is a thing most expedient for the edification of the church to sing psalms, some psalms in the form of public prayers. Certainly at present, the prayers of the faithful are so cold that we should be greatly ashamed and confused. The psalms can stimulate us to raise our hearts to God, and arouse us to an ardor in invoking us as well as in exalting with praises the glory of his name sort of a convoluted sentence there but um let me read it again the psalms can stimulate us to raise our hearts to god and arouse us to an ardor in invoking as well as in exalting with praises the glory of his name need a diagram of that sentence um it uh but right but calvin is is saying that the psalms can be used um he says certainly at present the prayers of the faithful are so cold that we should be greatly ashamed and he's saying the psalms should be used to 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 warm up our prayers to show us how to pray um they they show us how to speak to god and they they enliven our prayers um luther said that the psalter might well be called a little bible uh he says that you know it's 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 like the bible in microcosm it's got all, all parts of scripture uh, woven into it. Um, so some quotes there from the Reformers and the Fathers about the importance of the Psalms and the life of the church. Uh, let's keep going down the page there. Um, some stuff here from Christopher Ashe, uh, that where he's getting into the details of what it means to sing the, songs, the Psalms in Christ. So he says, uh, The Psalms are the songs supremely of Jesus. That Jesus is the great singer of the Psalms. It is his voice that we hear praying, lamenting, teaching, and praising. He alone is worthy to pray the ideal vision of a king suffering for righteousness and emerging victorious over the hosts of evil. Um, Right, so when we read these Psalms about David, um, the difficulties he faces as he ascends the throne the enemies that he encounters uh we we understand that original context but um we also understand that that finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus right Jesus is the son of david um he's the son of god he's god's anointed king um in in the in the line of david um and he is the he is the righteous king who who suffers but ultimately conquers and reigns on the throne um, so Ash says that we should expect to find in all the psalms words that express both the experiences, prayers, and praises of the original singers and at the same time point forward to the experiences, prayers, and praises of the Messiah whose spirit inspired the psalms. Right. So he's, he's making that connection. We, yes, we have the original context, but we also need to understand that ultimately these psalms are about Jesus. Um and then this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um if if you if you read nothing else on the Psalms, I would I would start with this. I would recommend this. This is a very small book. You can read it in forty-five minutes. Uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible. Um just really to the point, concise, simple, um great, great book that I would highly recommend. I, I believe this quote comes from that. He says Um, he's addressing some of the difficulties that we encounter when we come to the psalms Uh, and he says there there are these psalms that will not cross our lips as prayers they make us falter they offend us they make us suspect that here someone else is praying not we that the one who is here affirming his innocence uh, right because we have these psalms where the psalmist will uh strongly emphasize i I am innocent before you god and right again we're good reformed people and we know total depravity like how can we pray um, that we are innocent before god well we can't but jesus can and we are united with him so um uh the one who is here affirming his innocence the one who is here calling for god's judgment right our imprecatory psalms the one who has come to such infinite depths of suffering is none other than jesus christ himself it is So, right, so it's his voice that we hear in the psalm. Um, It is he who is praying here, and not only here, but in the whole psalter. The human Jesus Christ, to whom no affliction, no illness, no suffering is unknown, and who yet was the holy, innocent, and righteous one, is praying in the psalter through the mouth of his congregation. The psalter is the prayer book of Jesus Christ in the truest sense of the word. So that's Bonhoeffer, and then Ash continues... The spirit of Christ indwells his church. That same spirit who drew out of the man Christ Jesus such prayers and praises lives in us his body. We are united with him by faith. We pray in his name and by his spirit. If Jesus is the song leader, we are the choir, to use a lovely analogy first suggested by Augustine. Um, so that's that's a whirlwind uh, tour. Like I said, we can only really scratch the surface. Um, there is that list of recommended resources. I want to, in the brief amount of time that we have remaining, I, I want to talk about singing the psalms at a practical level. Um, yeah, this is going to be fast. So. There's two main ways we can talk about singing the psalms. This is Music Theory 101, uh, not even really Music Theory. We can talk about metrical psalmody and we can talk about chanting. In metrical psalmody, uh, we fit the text to the music. In chanting, we fit the music to the text. Right. So in chanting, the text is our foundation and we fit our music around the text in metrical psalmody we start with the melody that we want to sing and we kind of work the psalm into it um so i've 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 printed up psalm 130 as an example of this um here on the bottom right side of the page we have psalm 130 as it's given to us in the esv right a a faithful translation of it from the hebrew and then i've given to you as an example as as examples two um metrical versions of psalm 130. one is uh more traditional from the trinity psalter hymnal which was put together by uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in collaboration with the Dutch Reformed. It came out, oh, it came out two years ago, I think. This is it. It's a big honkin' psalter hymnal. So they've taken all 150 psalms and they fit it into a metrical pattern. So it has a a regular beat. Um, let Let me show you what I mean here. Right, so... You can see, uh, we've got Psalm 130 in the ESV, and then we've got, I Will Wait For You, um, which is a song that we sing here at Three Rivers. We haven't done it in a little while, but, uh, right. Oh, piano's off. All right. Okay, so, right, we should remember this. Out of the depths I cry to you, in darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew and hear my cry for mercy lord I will wait for you I will wait for you on your word I will rely I will wait for you surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied Right so this is a this is a version of Psalm 130 in metrical form so if you notice each line has eight syllables out of the depths i cry to you in darkest places i will call incline your ear to me anew and hear my cry for mercy lord so that's what it means to be metrical right each line has a standard set of syllables so that we can sing it in our um the way we like to sing it uh so by contrast if we were to chant psalm 130 if we were to start with the translation that we have from the Hebrew. Um, I mean, we just look at this out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord. That's what ten syllables. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Right. So uh, if we were to chant this, if we were to uh, adapt our singing to the text and stay really close to the text, it might sound something like this Um, out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem israel from all his iniquities right so um what i'm pointing out here is uh chanting this is this this is a style of chanting called simplified anglican chanting it's about the easiest thing you can do so that melody had eight notes it was very repetitive right um that that's one that's stuck with me uh and it's i can pick up any bible and flip to a psalm and i can i can sing that you know i i can remember that melody um and it keeps me really close to the text um but oh i lost my train of thought here what was i going to say um um I'm not trying to set up chanting as superior. It's not like Metrical's bad, chanting is good. But I think chanting uh, seems very foreign to us. We, we hear we hear about chanting, and it's like, oh, that's Catholic, that's what monks do. Um, and it's intimidating because we don't understand it. But the idea of chanting is actually to make it really simple for us. It's for people... Uh, maybe who don't have any training in music it's it's simple Um, once you understand the principles of it it's really easy to pick up Um, and uh, there are many traditions that do chant the Psalms not it's not just the Catholics and the Orthodox Uh, within our Protestant world the Lutherans and the Anglicans have have strong traditions of of chanting the Psalms Um, so it's not it's not one is better than the other necessarily Um, I think there's a place for metrical psalms. Um, I think a lot of those are really lovely arrangements, um, but I, I would encourage you um, to to think about chanting the psalms. I think um, m- my biggest reason that I, I, I like to think about chanting the psalms is, um, it keeps us closer to the text, right? So if you look at, I will wait for you Psalm 130, um, that's a really great song and they actually take some liberties um, they base it in the Psalm, but then if you look at verse four, verse three and verse four, so put your hope in God alone, take courage and his power to save completely and forever one by Christ emerging from the grave. Right. So that is not in the original Psalm, obviously, but what they're doing is they're showing like, okay, Psalm 130 is a Psalm about forgiveness of sins. And we know that ultimately that's fulfilled in Christ. And so they're just reading it back into the Psalm. And I think that's, I think that's really effective and, and wonderful. And so I, 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 I like, um, metrical psalms like this but why would we want to chant the psalms well it it keeps us closer to the text they take a lot of artistic liberties here right Um, we we believe that scripture is god's inspired word it's been given to us um, in the way that it's been given to us and so i think there's an argument to be made for if we are going to sing the psalms we need to sing them in as close a translation as we can get right Um, not that it's wrong to take artistic liberties with it or to Adapted in some way, um, but I, I think we should place a high value on uh, the, the text itself and, and sticking really close to that. So uh, let me see here. It's 9:50, but Jake is not out of Sunday school yet. We're going to sing one song together. We're going to try this uh, if I have it. Oh yeah, it's on the backside. Here. All right, Psalm 121. This is uh, this is similar to what I just did, so we're just going to. I will play the melody for you. It's got twelve notes that we're going to repeat, and basically we're just going to going to change uh, the note on every underlined word. Let me let me show you what this will sound like, and then we'll sing it together. So here's here's our melody. So it'll sound like this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we're going to go at a steady pace, just like you're you're speaking. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? But instead of just staying on that monotone, we're going to... I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Alright, how's that how's that feel? Is this making sense? Any questions? Alright. We'll we'll try it. Don't be embarrassed, we'll try it. <laughs> uh, you wanna you wanna sing another mic, honey? Probably just melody would be best. <clears throat> he will not let your foot be moved. Can we start from number one? Yeah, we'll start at the beginning. Okay, let me play through the uh, the melody again once more. i lift up my eyes to the hills from where is my help to come my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved and he who watches over you will not fall asleep Behold, he who keeps watch over Israel Shall neither slumber nor sleep The Lord himself watches over you The Lord is your shade at your right hand So that the sun shall not strike you by day Nor the moon by night the lord shall preserve you from all evil it is he who shall keep you safe the lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore hey nice work nice work does that make sense it's not hard um Yeah, nice thing. So that's a style of chanting called 12-point. The one I did before was simplified Anglican, which can get a little boring because it's almost too simple. So this is like slightly more complex. It's got 12 melody notes instead of eight. Um, And a guy in Nashville uh, came up with this system a couple years ago, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, Anyway, thank you for hanging in with me here.